Thank you for listening to the Martinis and the Macabre podcast. This show contains graphic content and explicit language and is intended for adults. Listener discretion is advised. Before we get started with tonight's podcast, I made a promise. I promised I would tell a story about when I told a toddler to go fuck themselves at my local Walmart. I am a man of my word. Here's what happened. There I was in Walmart, no shit, and I was in line. And in front of me was the mom unloading the cart. So she's at the front of the cart, and her kid is sitting in the seat. Now, it's not the seat... Like you normally would see, it's like the, the it's the cart that has the plastic chairs in it that you could sit two kids in at a time, and they kind of face each other. They're big, blocky, and they're in the fucking way all the time. She was sitting there. It was close to Halloween because she had a little Halloween bucket thing that she was going to get for trick or treating. And the mom was in the front loading the conveyor belt. I'm standing there because I just got a couple things. I didn't have a cart. And this little girl, maybe I don't know if she was a toddler maybe six or seven, something like that, was kicking me in the shin. Got my kneecap a couple times too. And I'm just sitting here just looking looking forward like I'm not even paying attention. This is fine. I'm getting really aggravated, but it's okay. And she kicked a little harder. And then she kicked the inside of my thigh, got dangerously close to my balls. And the mom, this weak-ass fucking mother, looked over at me and was like, oh, she's just so she just likes to play. She just likes to play. This girl has murder in her eyes. She is looking at me with just malice, like I did something to her. So this goes on for the better part of a few minutes, because this bitch got a lot of fucking groceries. And something happened. She, uh, the, the little girl dropped her purple jack-o'-lantern bucket, and it landed right in front of me. And she, the mom heard it, and she went to circle back around to pick it up. I was like, no, 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 I, I got it, I got it, I got it. And I bent down and picked it up. And now I'm eye level with this girl. And I looked her in the face. And I gave her her bucket. And I said, fuck you. (laughs) So if you're listening, young lady. (laughs) Welcome to the real world. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) Quit kicking people. You little monster. And now on with tonight's program. old (laughs) oh hi guys welcome to martinis and the macabre the podcast where we drunkenly discuss morbid murders mysteries and mayhem and terrorizing tots (laughs) who like to kick people and that too my name's erica i'm your host this evening and i'm joined by my husband and child whisperer billy she learned a life lesson in aisle 11 right there <laughs> and it's great because i remember i came home and sat on the porch and had a cigarette back when we smoked uh-huh. and i'm sitting on the porch with a thousand mile thousand yard stare just looking forward you sat down didn't say we didn't say anything it was just a few minutes i'm like I told a kid to go fuck themselves earlier <laughs> you're like what 
It was great. On the surface of it, it sounds really bad. But when you hear the story, you're like, yeah, I get it. And what was her reaction to you? Wide-eyed. Like, <laughs> Deer in headlights. I can't believe he said that to me. Look, that a seven-year-old should rightly have if an adult looks at him and says, fuck you. Well, I don't blame her for that look of shock. <laughs> and if she tried to tell her mom, her mom probably wouldn't have believed her. I'd have thrown down my fucking little box of garlic bread and Parmesan cheese. I'd have been like, step up, bitch. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> That's how you roll. Yeah. You better catch these hands, woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You're so awful. Uh, just don't kick people. We'll get along fine. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast and you go around Ooh. kicking people, fucking stop it. <laughs> Yeah, I hope just at the end of the day that little girl lay down in bed and she's like, you know, I have nobody to blame but me for this. <laughs> she had some introspection. I hope, I hope when they got home, she's like, I'm going to run the groceries in, sweetie. She's like, go ahead. I just need to sit here and reflect. <laughs> All righty. Well, there you have it. Billy's tale that he promised last episode. She probably had like a soccer mom's daughter's name. Like? Dakota. <laughs> I wish you guys could have seen his face. <sighs> Woo! Okay, I gotta rein it in. Alright, so tonight we're gonna be covering a second part in our two part series of the 10 Rillington Place murders. Martinez and Macaw, bring it up the rear. So if you haven't listened to part one, go back to part one and listen to that. Kind of bring you in the loop. Stop now. We'll wait. Even though we did, as Billy put it, Pulp Fiction this shit and start in the middle and work our way out. But that's where you need to start. While you're at it, if you're there on iTunes, if you wouldn't mind dropping us a rating and a review, that would be greatly appreciated. But here we go with part two. So just as a refresher, in part one, we covered... The disappearance and murder of Beryl and her daughter, Geraldine Evans, who were found in the wash house outside of Ten Rillington Place. For us here in the States, that's a shit house. <laughs> yes, the wash house. And I did put some pictures up on our Facebook pages. That's how big... It was bigger than I thought. Yeah, the, the actual flats themselves, there were three floors... And then the wash house, I was thinking it was more of a detached thing, but it is actually connected to the building, but you still can't enter it from in the building. You have to go outside to get to it. Um, It looks bigger in the pictures because it's attached to this big three-story building, but... Just no access point from inside, though. So make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That way, whenever we post something like that, you're able to see it. But that's where their bodies were found, inside this wash house. And the husband, quote-unquote, confesses, but there's some question as to whether he actually did this himself. He blamed it. Yes, that's Tim Evans. It does not end well for Tim. No. Tim is eventually convicted of the murder of his baby daughter, Geraldine, and sentenced to death, which they swiftly imposed. Till his feet quit kicking. Yep, he was hung, and he went to the gallows 
blaming his neighbor, Reg Christie, for the murder. And we also covered kind of the backgrounds of both Tim and Reg. Tim being a very low IQ man, not very intelligent, quick-tempered. Reg, who had this kind of strange childhood and spent some time in the War Reserve Police and took that way too seriously. So we've moved past that case of the mother and the daughter found in this wash house at 10 Rillington Place. You know, I can't help but think of when Tim went to the gallows. Because, you know, in England, everything's more proper than we are. Well, we think. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, I can see, like, going up to the gallows, like, this is an injustice. I've done nothing wrong. I'm an innocent man. You're all mistaken. This can't be happening. But, like, we'd be like, Fuck y'all motherfuckers, I ain't did shit. I hate you. I hate all you. I put a curse on you bitches. Where's Dakota? Fuck you, Dakota. And put a curse on you. If you want to find out about that, go back and listen to the episode about uh, Frank Garrett, who was another very low IQ man who was sentenced to death in Texas. Yeah. And they had no problem executing him either. Do you think that do you think the the hangman got a chuckle like would get a chuckle if there's like do you have any last words and he's like yeah this is tight can you losing it you think <laughs> you think maybe the hangman right before he pulled the lever was like <laughs> nice <laughs> just boom <laughs> it dropped you <laughs> it was a little tight can you loosen it up <laughs> third one this week it doesn't get oh <laughs> all right. We've moved past this in a way that that's kind of the central... Um, You'll find it. I'm trying to find the right word. You'll get it. That's that's kind of just the core of the story. Yeah, I bought you that word-a-day calendar, and you're not using shit. No. You said core. What would you call it? The penultimate. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, no. but it's a good word. It's a nice word, but inappropriate. For what we're trying to convey here. You're inappropriate. (gasps) Bitch! (laughs) Fuck you, Dakota. (laughs) Alright, so... After the execution of Tim, his neighbor, who he had blamed for the murders, Reg Christie, seemed to fall into quite a deep depression. Guilt, maybe? Maybe. He lost almost 28 pounds, or 12.7 kilograms. Or however many fucking stones Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know how many stone that is. And he went to his doctor 38 times over the next eight months for stress-related symptoms. And as you'll recall, he had a very long history of hypochondria and going to the doctor's over 170 times over a 15-year period. At that point, you need one of those subway cards where you click it. Every time you come in. A punch card. Yeah. And then you get free placebo. (laughs) So, Reg had also lost his job working for the post office, finally, due to some of his criminal history being made public at the trial. And they were finally like, whoa, this is way too much heat. We gotta let you go now. Even though you've been arrested for stealing postage and people's packages and violence now we're going to let you go. It's funny if they let him go for something silly. And that silly thing is the thing that they have zero tolerance for. You know what I mean? Like, Reg, you took 
35 minutes for your lunch when it was clearly 30. We do not do that. There is no second warning. Get the fuck out now. Turn over your letters. Turn over everything you put in your car that you stole that we've looked past. You late motherfucker. <laughs> you make me sick. Get out of my fucking sight. I can't believe we ever hired you. <laughs> and he's like, I get it. <laughs> this was really, I shouldn't have done this. I really fucked up, guys. Well, he was so messed up that a psychiatrist wanted to admit him into the hospital, but he refused to leave his wife alone. The one time he didn't go with a fucking doctor. So Reg found a new job, but it was short-lived. He was late. <laughs> he put in his notice and told his wife Ethel that he'd found a better job, even though he actually didn't have anything lined up. I know a couple guys like that. She was annoyed that Reg was under her foot, and he was annoyed that Ethel wouldn't just go the fuck away on one of her family visits out of town. So they were both just kind of like, why are you fucking here? God. And that's why the man cave was invented. <laughs> he makes it a little bit of a different kind of man cave. We'll get to that shortly. <laughs> so on December 11th of 1950... Ethel visited with a friend, and the next day she dropped some clothing off at the launderers to be washed. People that saw her on those days said she was cheerful, and she hadn't mentioned anything about upcoming trips or events that she was going to be going away for. But those were the last two sightings of Ethel Christie. So, as far as the disappearance of Ethel Christie goes, on Monday the 15th, Reg mailed out a letter that Ethel had written to her sister on the 10th, but he changed the date to the 15th. But he explained that was merely because Ethel hadn't had any envelopes. So he mailed it for her from his work. You know, the work he'd been fired from. At the post office. <laughs> There's a man with a gun in the parking lot of the post office just waiting for Reg. Like, if this tardy Timmy shows up here, I'm going to fucking plug him. <laughs> Reg, you don't get these envelopes ever again. Ever. <laughs> Now go you reset. better learn how to fold up some fucking parchment paper or something. Make your own. Yeah, yeah. You better fashion a fucking envelope and do this thing we like to call winding your fucking watch. <laughs> We're just creating this whole circumstance. Yeah. I like it. I'm going to go with it. <laughs> I'm going to blame this all on him being tardy from his lunch break. <laughs> Everything that's going to happen from here on out. He began to tell neighbors and friends that Ethel had moved back to Sheffield and that he would be following shortly as he had gotten a new job there. They found this odd since Ethel never even mentioned it or said goodbye. She but said, when she said, I gotta get away from this motherfucker, I swear to God. <laughs> but, you know, in British talk. Yeah, in British talk. I've got to get away from this motherfucker, I swear to God. <laughs> Pretty much the exact same thing. <laughs> well, people that knew her found this odd since, you know, she never mentioned any of this. And then Red started telling family members that Ethel had been sick and hadn't felt well enough to ride or send Christmas cards. So to try and calm all that down, he sent some presents to family members, quote-unquote from Ethel and Reg, to try and ease some of their worries. He began to sprinkle his house and garden with a strong disinfectant around this time as well. Totally unrelated. Totally. Have you seen, have you, I'm just, cabbage. I'm just saying cabbage. Mm. It stinks. Yeah. Oh, wait, I'm thinking Yankee Garden. That's a lawn over there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I'm over here talking about cabbage. <laughs> Way to go, Billy, you fucking winner. Yeah, because fresh cabbage just emits such a rank odor. 
You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's rough. <laughs> then in January, Reg sold all the furniture in the flat to a dealer. Oddly, though, he sold his wife's wedding band and watch as well. But oddly enough, he wanted to keep his alarm clock. Fancy that. <laughs> Actually, all that was left in the apartment were a kitchen table, three chairs, and a bare mattress that he slept on. I'd like to know where the fourth chair went. Hmm. hmm. It, a- I honestly don't know where it went, guys. That's not foreshadowing. That's just me like, hey, where's the chair? I'm going to go find out. Really? Yes. How? I'm going to get my boots on. And? Pack my shit and go. And he's off. The truth. (laughs) To get more money, he emptied his wife's bank account by forging her signature. That's not uncommon either. I'm a little surprised, though, for this being 1950, her having her own bank account. Very progressive. Good for her. Good for her. Until she disappeared and he took her money. Bad for you. (laughs) He lived like this into the month of March... And by then, he had quit responding to family and friends' letters altogether when they were asking about Ethel. So he just kind of dropped off the grid. Going back, all the shit that he had in his flat, I really wanted him to have something that just didn't make sense at all. Oh, we'll, we'll have that. I mean, like, a bare mattress, a table, some chairs, and that little umbrella you get in cocktails. And a car battery. Yep. <laughs> and a Bible. And evidently he had disinfectant. He had a Bible with every word highlighted. <laughs> and his alarm clock. Don't forget that. That's how you know you stumbled across somebody really troubled is when every word in the Bible is highlighted separately. Not all one line. <laughs> separately. Every individual word. <laughs> Put your shoes on, kids. We're leaving Grandma's house. <laughs> He noticed a woman named Mrs. Riley looking for a place to rent one day, so he invited her to look at his flat. She brought her husband along, and they ended up deciding they would rent it, and they paid three months in advance. He ended up borrowing a suitcase from the renters, which is weird, and then he left his cat with them, which is even weirder, and he moved out on March 20th. I don't have any word on his dog. I know we mentioned in the last episode about his dog digging up bones, and... There's pictures of him with his dog and his cat. From what I understand, I don't know if the dog was digging up bones. That bone was just laying there. No, he dug up a skull. Oh. Yeah, they just didn't see it. It was funny when he was showing them the flat and everything. It's like, you know, this is the room slash bedroom slash closet. They're like, oh, where's the water closet? Oh, no, you you signed the lease already. Bye! (laughs) Jolly you! It's out back, it's out back, bitches! Do you like trains? No? Obama. Well, the thing is, this was kind of a scam. And it came to light the day after the Rileys moved in when the real landlord informed them that Mr. Christie was a tenant and technically had no right to rent the flat out. He couldn't sublet or anything. But would the landlord really care at the end of the day? Well, he did because he asked them to fucking leave. I wouldn't. (laughs) I wouldn't. If I was a landlord, I'd be like, okay, well, I'll deal with... Oh, no. He asked them to leave because they couldn't pay the rent. Because they'd just given Christy three months in advance. Oh, that's right. So he was like, sorry about your luck. Bye. Where's your... Okay. Okay. If we're going to do this, where's your rent? Yeah. Reg has it. What? (laughs) Three months worth. What? (laughs) 
Exactly. You don't have any money? No. We have a cat. <laughs> you don't have any money? No. You don't have a place to live. <laughs> Sorry, you got fucked hard. Yeah. Oh, man. So, uh, Bite the pillow. He went in dry. Yeah. The, the landlord was like, sorry, you can't stay here. But I they f- were actually kind of relieved about not living there. Oh, as good. I was starting to feel bad. They had come to notice a very strong, foul odor in the flat that even the disinfectants didn't cover. For those of you out there who know Pig Latin, abbage K. That means cabbage. <gasps> Damn, you're good. You speak it? Yep. East Bay. Stop, just read. Just, just read. Just read. <laughs> Eyes to the paper, young lady. What are you doing? Fuck you. <gasps> huh? Fuck me. Fuck you. Fucker. All right. With the flat empty, the landlord told the new upstairs tenant, Mr. Brown, that he could use the kitchen in the downstairs flat. So Mr. Brown noticed the foul odor, too, and started to clean the place up. This is a fucking mess. So... You, the, the the apartment you live in doesn't have a kitchen, but the one downstairs does, and you can use that. But if you got to take a shit, you got to go all the way downstairs, then go outside, mind the train, avoid the bones, and then go do your business. While you're down there, you might as well get a couple buckets of fucking water. I would rather just be goddamn homeless. <laughs> I'd be like, you know, this sounds great and everything, but I saw this spot under a bridge that looks tops. <laughs> Fuck that. Fuck hyphen that. Yeah. So... The guy from upstairs is going downstairs to use the kitchen because he doesn't have one. I wouldn't go for that. Not for ramen noodles. Nope. I'd but, just be hungry. But then he kind of like wanted to make it his own for some reason. And he wanted to install a shelf on the wall that he could put his radio on. So he began tapping on the walls to find a stud. It's obvious Billy's sitting right here. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and he noticed a spot that seemed to be hollow. Not just that there wasn't a stud back there, but like a, an echo, a hollow open area. Like a false wall, maybe? He, kind of. Okay. He pulled back some of the wallpaper and found a door, but it was locked. How many of you guys have seen horror movies just like this? Mm-hmm. But this is real fucking life. So he shone a light through the peephole to kind of have a look of what was inside and immediately jump back and call the police. He saw the nun from The Conjuring, didn't he? No. He Aww. did not. Oh man. Candyman. No. It, no, like on the wall written in shit with sweets to the sweet? No. Aww. No, no, no. Let me tell you what was found. That cocktail umbrella. Yeah, that. Okay, guys, bye! <laughs> <laughs> they saw Red sleeping and that alarm clock just going off! The police arrived, along with the pathologist and the coroner. Ding, 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 ding. That should send you some red flags as to what was found. The door was opened and revealed a closet-like pantry area that had been hidden behind the wallpaper. And I'll try and remember to put up some pictures. There are actually pictures of this little, like, cubby hole in the wall. And right inside was the corpse of a woman leaning forward with her back to the door. And written on the wall... (laughs) that can never be washed off was I love pancakes. No. Aww. Aww. God, you're really bumming me out. I know. Immediately behind her was a large item wrapped in a blanket. Sound familiar? The blanket had been knotted to the woman's bra to keep her semi-upright. 
Her bra, sweater, and jacket were pulled up high around her neck, and she had a garter belt and stockings on, but no other clothing. She was surrounded by cabbage. (laughs) Shut up about the fucking cabbage. On a bed of cabbage. (sighs) Police pulled her out to have a closer inspection and to take some pictures. She had her hands bound in front of her by a handkerchief tied into a reef knot, and there were signs that she had been strangled with a ligature. What's a ligature? Something tied around the neck. So that you could have just said something was tied around her neck. You're using the word-a-day calendar. I love you. You don't know what a fucking ligature is? Erica, go. Uh, The body was well-preserved, probably because this little hole in the wall was kind of cool. So focus then shifted to the item tied up in the blanket. It was pulled out, and investigators soon discovered it was another female body. It had been stood up on its head, with a sock tied in a reef knot, securing the blanket around the ankles. Very much like breakdancing. That was what he was going for, huh? Yeah, gotta hit your b-boy stance. Mmm. Chicka chicka what? Chicka chicka what? What? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so, it, the blanket was tied around the ankles, and her head was wrapped in a pillowcase and secured with stockings tied into, you guess it, Another reef knot. What is a reef knot? It's a type of knot. Thank you. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Very good. Hey, Google. What's a reef knot? Reef knot. A square knot. Originally used for reefing sails. There you go. Fucking square knot, then. Okay. I'm going to go look it up. I want to see what a reef knot looks like. You continue. I'm going to go ahead and get ready, guys. Get ready. Glasses on. Oh. I almost hit myself in the eye. I saw. I would have laughed. I would have too, with my one good eye and my bruised ribs and my bruised hip and my face. Yeah, why don't you tell them about that real quick? Uh, um, no, I'm not going to. No. Okay. Um, ask. I had an incident at work. I'm not going to go into it because I don't want to stray from the topic too much. I feel like I've been butting in a lot but because um, I'm a curious Carl. But... <laughs> Um, I had a little, Nosy um, Nancy. I got shot down by what I call God's bullet or what you would call gravity and had a bit of a tumble at work. Um, <laughs> and it's on tape. <laughs> I filmed it from my own. I, I pulled up the security camera <laughs> and played it and then recorded it on my phone because it is one of the funniest things I think I've ever done in my life. And, um. It hurt so bad. So, um, if you want to see it, just uh, hit me up on Messenger, William Matthew Jones on Facebook, and um, yeah. <laughs> and then the beard just in his face. <laughs> right in my face. <laughs> oh, it's Son so of good. a bitch. <laughs> so, when they started pulling this body out, they noticed another wrapped bundle behind it. So they returned to examine it. It's like a crazy fucking clown car of corpses. Yeah, it kind of is. Especially when you see how small this area actually is. It's actually very terrifying. So A clown car, you pull out corpses. <laughs> That's awful. <Yeah. laughs> so, uh, as you would expect, it was a third female body. This one had also been placed upside down in breakdance pose, as Billy would have it. With her head under the body previously removed. Can move your body to the rhythm of the night. 
<laughs> the ankles were tied with an electrical cord in what? A reef knot. Yes. Oh, there's a step-by-step guide. Oh. I want string. Oh. Are you going to, like, kill me and wrap me up and tie it with reef knots and, like, put me on my head somewhere? No, but this is so fucking, really? How to tie a reef knot. Ooh. Wow. No, they're just saying that all of these are consistently well, tied the same way. Well, it's probably the only knot he knew how to do. This is, this is, um, oh my god, this is the easiest fucking thing you could ever do. No, that is. Ah. <laughs> this is, like, right above tying your shoe. Look at this. Wait. No, Google, I don't want to fucking share. Okay. Look. You tie, and then mm-hmm. you just tie again. So a reef knot's a fucking double knot. There. <laughs> Mystery fucking solved. Glasses off. <laughs> so the the ankles on this body were tied in the reef knot, and the head on this one was covered with a cloth and similarly knotted. Similarly. This is where you start doing similarly. it. Similarly. It's not that you sound like you're tipsy, it's just you don't do words good. You, you don't, don't do words you good. You don't slur, but like Instead of like officer, you'll say ossifer. Shit like that. It's not like you're slurring and you're drunk. It's just they come out wrong. You, uh, uh, maybe you're thinking too quick and they you don't come have out wrong. They don't have time. I didn't. Uh, from what I understand, my mom was on her um, hands and knees when she gave birth to me. I probably did come out wrong. Yep. Those fucking shoulders. Jesus anyway. Christ. <laughs> the head was covered with a cloth and similarly knotted. Nothing else was found in the closet slash cupboard area, and police had the body sent to the morgue. But as they continued to search the property, they noticed some loose floorboards in the parlor area. So they were like, hey, what's this? We're already here. <laughs> we might as well check this out, since we're actually doing an involved investigation this time. The fuck else are we doing, right? Even though we already killed that one guy, Man. let's really check this place out now. Oh, man. Egg on face. Am I right, Tim? <laughs> right. Oh, he's dead. Yep. Swinging in the breeze. Oh, they probably took him down by now. No, they left him up. Well, he's taller. A little bit. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, they started pulling up these loose floorboards and moved some loose rubble around that was found underneath. They started to dig and soon found a fourth female body. This body ended up staying at the flat under police guard until it could be transported to the morgue the next day, because they were just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is too many dead chicks. We can't handle this. You're going to have to give us one tomorrow. What if it's because of the coroner himself, or the, or the office themselves, you know, they're, they're like, they're emotionally distraught. Like, guys, I can't even. I can't even. Somebody get me a pumpkin spice latte. Is that more bodies? <laughs> is that more? I've seen them walk in with a cart. I can't do this. I am taking my lunch break, and I am doing 35, and I just... Fire me if you want. I don't know what to do. I'm a vegan. I don't know what the hell to do with anything, but why not? I do CrossFit. I don't do this. (laughs) So, yeah, so I, I gotta wonder how this police guard had to feel sitting there just like keeping an eye on a dead body all night. Waiting on the sun to come up. What if they told him he'd be relieved in 10 minutes? Do you think he poked it with a stick? It was a guy? Yeah. 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 I like to think so, too. 
We're moving on to the autopsies now. They finally got that fourth chick over to the morgue the next day. So, the first body removed from the cupboard was a brunette that had been dead about four weeks. She had died from strangulation and carbon monoxide poisoning. Investigators believe she had been unconscious from the gas when she had been strangled with some type of smooth surface cord. She had been sexually assaulted at the time of death or immediately after. They couldn't quite tell. But right around the time of death. Scratch marks on her back indicated that her body had been dragged across the floor. And she would later be identified as a 26-year-old prostitute named Hectorina McLennan. The body removed second had light brown hair and poorly manicured hands and feet. That's what they noted? That's what they noted. Her nails weren't purdy? She's not very well kempt. She's probably from a lower class. She's not kept herself up. It's kind of sad. Once you're dead... You're not low class no more. You're even. No, they're trying to identify these women. That could be an identity. I get it. I get it. It's just, it's just, she's, don't kick her while she's down. You know what I mean? It's like, oh man, she was strangled. Look at her fucking hands. No glitter nail polish. (laughs) Fucking loser. You know what I mean? They didn't say that. They just said it was poorly manicured. I'm going to go back and check. Her skin was a pinkish color, which indicated gas poisoning. And she had also been asphyxiated. See, I pulled that one off. Look at you out here making words with your mouth. Sexual intercourse of some kind had taken place around the time of her death, though it couldn't be determined if it was consensual or not. So once again, we've got another body. Some type of sexual either attack or consensual. Something happened right around the time Uh, of death. Well, Doc, uh, (laughs) well... Well, Lieutenant, I can't say for sure. She didn't die with a thumbs up, so I have no fucking clue. Her toxicology showed she had drank heavily the day she died. She had on a cardigan and vest, and another vest had been tucked between her legs, kind of like a diaper. She had been dead for 8 to 12 weeks and was later identified as 26-year-old prostitute named Kathleen Maloney. Wait, that was tucked between her legs? Mm -hmm. Up by her crotch like a diaper? Mm -hmm. It's a dream catcher. (laughs) It's a dream catcher. You know how, you know, you go have sex, you have, you take toilet paper or you take that one rag, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. It was a dream catcher. Did they check that? Yeah, that's why they said that there was some type of sexual intercourse. But well, I don't think she tucked it up there herself. I'm just saying, like, I figured that one out. I'm not even a cop. I don't even have any red string. I knew that one. <laughs> okay, where was I? Dreamcatcher really threw you off. Yeah, it did. So, yeah, she'd been dead for 8 to 12 weeks. So, you think back, three months, and she's still that well-preserved. So, what's all this stinking? They're still decomposing. I mean, they're so well-preserved. But they're saying they didn't rot away to skeletons. I mean, you're making it sound like he took, like, that carpet-fresh powder and sprayed it all over his fucking lawn or garden. But they're so well-preserved. They shouldn't have been stinking that bad. Plus, it was cold. Plus, they were wrapped. Plus, their door was closed and there was wallpaper. They're decomposing. Your body lets off gases as the bacteria starts eating the body. You start eating But the they body. hadn't... I don't. Okay. I do not. <clears throat> Take a real hard stance right now, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. Okay. Never. 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 Okay. Okay. 
<laughs> the third body found was blonde and also poorly manicured. Do you want to take up some kind of stance with that too? Why you got to point shit out? Why you got? I mean, just just respect her. She's dead now. She's like, you know what? She was a lovely it's young lady. It's an observation. They're not judging her. I feel like they were. Well, this one had the same pinkish tone to her skin from gassing and had been asphyxiated as well. She had on a bra, a dress, a petticoat, a cardigan, and two vests, and also had a piece of material placed between her legs. Dreamcatcher. She had been drinking the day she was murdered, which was estimated at around 8 to 12 weeks, just like the previous one. She was ID'd as 25-year-old Rita Nelson, a six-month pregnant prostitute. Man, I'm glad Reg got out of there. There was dead bodies everywhere. I know, right? And he was like, what is this fucking smell? I have tried and tried and tried. He probably was the first guy to invent that thing that's on Pinterest. I'm a grown man. I go on Pinterest. Don't fucking judge me. And I bet you he was the first guy that does like the vanilla inside the coffee mug and puts it in the oven. And it's like, this is going to make the house smell like cookies. I know it. It's that's a, a thing? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I love Pinterest. <laughs> It's really a thing you can I do. I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah, you could do it. Totally do it. Uh-huh. Like a teaspoon of vanilla extract in a coffee mug and put it in the oven for about 30 minutes and just sit it on top of the stove. Whole house smells like sugar cookies, which is actually kind of rude because it makes people think they're sugar cookies, and there's no sugar cookies. The more you know. No, I can just put that in. You don't have to chime it. See, here it is again. Hear it? You're a piece of shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, okay. You're laughing because you know how it's going to sound when you do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love editing. <laughs> All right. Okay. Whew. So uh, this lady had been the first one placed in the cupboard, and she was the one that was most likely murdered first. That's a weird <clears throat> string of words. Well, first lady placed in a cupboard. It's like when you're stocking the shelves at a grocery store and you're not following the rule. Where and you, you find stock a dead body. The, yeah, that. And you, you don't put the, the oldest dead body up towards the front. Yeah, FIFA, first in, first out. I know. Yeah, no. She was the first one in, so she's probably the first one murdered. So then the other ones got put on top of her as they were murdered. Mm-hmm. She's the oldest dead, first one in. Yeah. You got an anagram for that? Didn't think so. I don't kill, I don't kill people, and I certainly don't kill low life pieces of shit with bad nails. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, oh, who's that victim? Look at her nails. It gives a fuck. Oh, Billy. That's what they said. They did not. I am fighting for them. They did not. I am fighting for them. They made an observation. Hey, her nails are kind of dirty. They're not well kept. Her nails look like shit. That's what they said. Really? That's what they said. Do you have that quoted and... Yeah, yeah. You want me to call him on fucking Skype? You want me to do it? These people in 1950? His nephew, who it, last time I spoke to him was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm in Idaho and why are you calling me? I'll call him now. Do it. He was like, I'll call the cops. And I'm like, you can't find me, bitch. Uh. <laughs> okay. Well... Uh, Billy's had his mental breakdown. <laughs> Quit harassing me and my family. I just want the truth. 
I never been to London. Says you. Yeah, me. I never been to London. <laughs> I need to do that next Saturday. Hmm. That sounds like a barrel of laughs. Right. Sure. Yep. Good times. Mm-hmm. I was just gonna do my normal Saturday thing, you know, like hang out, have a couple drinks, go to the bathroom, have a good cry, and go to bed. Now I'm gonna start calling people. I'm going to start demanding the truth mm. about what happened in London. I'm not even going to say the 50s. Just what happened in London. <laughs> Give it up. I know you got it. You Give need it to be an investigative journalist. You'd go far. I kind of am. Not yet. Become Saturday. <laughs> I'm on my way. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. Guess who found some coke? Oh. We'll save that conversation for later. <laughs> Habit forming. All right, so the fourth body, the woman from under the floorboards, was brought in the following day. She was much older than the other three, estimated to be in about her 50s. God damn! She was overweight and had several missing teeth. She was rolled up in a flannel blanket with her head wrapped in a pillowcase. You know the big ones are wrapped up in flannel. (laughs) A silk nightgown and a flowered dress were wrapped up with her, but not on her body. Her stockings were on and pulled up, and there weren't any signs of gassing or sexual intercourse. So basically, this body was completely different than the other ones. But she had been strangled with a ligature as well. Probably in a reef knot. Just saying. Probably in a reef knot. (laughs) And if you don't know what a ligature is, it's this thing that's commonly found in New Zealand. You gotta go to the coral floor, and you'll find strands... And they're called ligature wea. And you dig them up, and then you have ligatures. Am I right? No, not at all. God damn it. But damn, it sounded nice. That was close. No. No. But I did sprinkle some diamonds on that turd. Kind of. Yeah. Until people go, no, that's not right at all. I'm a quick talker, though. I could convince somebody that that's exactly what it was. I'm slicker than cum on a doorknob. I can make that shit happen. Really? Ligature wea. It's a species of scorpion that's aquatic. That's completely different than what you just said. I know, but I could do it. (laughs) You don't know. All right. Well, the reason this lady was a little bit different than the other ones. She was 50, overweight, had no teeth. This is because she was Ethel Christie, Reg's wife. And she had been dead 12 to 15 weeks. Right around the time she, quote-unquote, left for Sheffield. I'm not saying Reg did it, but whoever did it, they were on a fucking roll. Given that time period of when they died, mm-hmm. man, he was, he or she. Four bodies in less than four months. Knock that shit out. So now, with the discovery of four dead females, and knowing that Beryl and Geraldine Evans had been murdered at this address just over a year prior. And apparently knowing that a couple of them were just lower than dog shit. <laughs> Shut They're up. human beings, guys. Well, with this information, the police finally thought, hey, we really need to search all of the grounds here and see what else we can find. Because, you know, we didn't do that a year ago, you know, when we killed that one guy. But now... Honestly, you need to do it. I bet you it was like the rookie that's standing by the door. You know what I mean? Who's like watching the Trying door. Trying not to throw up? No, not, not even that. Like, he's so far away from everything. Like, it's his third day on the job, and they don't want him to puke because so many do. 
Then they're like, just go watch the door, make sure nobody gets in. And just use the password if somebody needs to go use the wash house. And he's like, okay. And then, like, they're looking at all this, and they're talking, and they're workshopping. And you get here in the back, like, remember that guy, Tim? We fucking killed that guy. <laughs> and then, like, the head investigator's like, oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> My bad. Nigel, do you think I was thinking that? Me too, right? Me too! Chest my... <laughs> well, now that they're finally doing a thorough search... <laughs> Thank God. A man's suit was found under the floorboards of the common area, an area where the carpenters had been in the process of replacing at the time of the Evans murders. A man's tie was found in a kitchen cabinet tied into a reef knot. They also found potassium cyanide in the flat, as well as a tin that, get this shit, held four clumps of pubic hair, none of which was from any of the four bodies that was just found. (laughs) Just random clumps of pubic hair thrown into a tin. Do you think, like, in horror movies and thrillers, you know... That's where they got that phrase from. He's looking at it. And he's like, he's a collector. <laughs> <laughs> they do that at damn near every one of them. He's taunting us. He's a step ahead of us the whole time. He's 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 methodical. He's so violent. And worst of all, he's patient. No. He's a collector. Of pubes. Or do you think they're just like, <laughs> what's this shit? <laughs> Ew. It's pubic hair. Nigel, that's red hair. As a blonde, as a brunette. Ew. <laughs> Ew. So, hey, new guy, won't shut the fuck up about Tim. Here, catch it. <laughs> well, they found more than just these clumps of pubic hair. This time, they actually searched the garden, too. The femur holding up the fence was found this time, finally. But the skull that the dog had dug up Someone was able to take and get rid of before the police found it this time. It had been thrown into an abandoned house nearby, you know, after the police first searched the Evanses and the garden, and they totally didn't see the dog kicking around a skull. It was funny, like, he walked in and was like, oh, this will fucking get me for sure. Oh, God, I'll be fucking done for if they find this. Walked past the femur mm-hmm. and grabbed the skull and walked past the femur again. Probably. I could just see him, like, holding it behind his back and, like, chucking it. I'm like, no, officer, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Or he's, he's walking next to the abandoned house and just threw it and coughed real loud and went to tie his fucking yeah, shoe. exactly. <laughs> While he used the femur to hold open the gate mm-hmm. <laughs> to fucking leave. Like, and then, like, he threw it in the house and was like, whew! Yep. Oh, man, Scott Free. I'm a fucking genius. I mean, this is a comedic thing. You would see in a movie where yeah. he's trying to hide the evidence. Like a, a silent movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, where Custa Black is like walking with Skull behind his back. <laughs> and he took it, it was just like, hook shot. Yep. And he's just acting like he's stretching. Jolly good morning to you. There's no head in there, that's for sure. Well, they didn't. I think I'm a nerd. Well, yeah. Okay, proceed. Glad you came to that realization. (laughs) So, uh, they didn't find the skull, but they did find the femur. 
And then they also found bones in the flower beds and underneath an orange blossom bush. Some blackened skull bones, teeth, and pieces of a dress were found in a dustbin, along with a newspaper fragment dated July 19, 1943, which was seven years before this time. A large amount of hair and some more teeth were found in the ground, and although there was only one skull, they determined that skeletal remains of two separate females had been found in the garden. That's a shit of nightmares. <laughs> Both of them had been in the garden at least three years, but possibly up to 10 years. You know, you had the, that one of the investigators is like, Constable, where are we now? What have you found? And he turns around crying, just holding teeth <laughs> and bones. And he's trying to keep, he's trying to keep like a baby skull in the nook of his fucking uh. elbow. He's like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't want to keep looking. I keep finding shit. <laughs> Well, in, in total, you know, you've got the four women inside the house and the two skeletons out in the garden. So that makes a total of six victims for this investigation just by itself. If hauntings exist, that place is fucked. <laughs> it was determined that one of the women that was found out in the garden was around five foot seven inches, which is 1.72 meters tall, around 21 years old, and a crown from her tooth indicated she was German or Austrian. That's the a thing. Evidently, they had different types of dental things. Maybe back they use then. different minerals that are like indigenous to where you're from. I don't know. You know, like oh, this has more copper in it than it does iron, but that level of copper is found. Maybe they used a, in a, Austria. Yeah, a different yeah. type of metal in okay. one of those countries sure. or something. I made an educated guess just now. Yep, that's about it. That's all I got. I'm good for one. <laughs> The other woman was about five foot two inches or 1.5 meters tall. And they determined she was maybe 32 to 35 years old. Police discovered that a Ruth Margaret Fierst. It just sounds funny. Fierst. F-U-E-R-S-T. Fierst. Fierst. She disappeared August 24th of 1943 from Notting Hill. And she had moved from Austria to England in 1939. She occasionally prostituted to supplement her income. Just when you know, whenever. So she was most likely the owner of the crown tooth. The other skeleton was believed to be that of 32-year-old Muriel Amelia Eady. She was a former co-worker of Reg's. She was short, around 5 foot 1, and had dark hair. And the hair in the garden was matched to a hair found on one of Muriel's dresses that was still being kept at her former home. Was, was she the one he was creeping on? At the post office? I don't think so. Okay. The hair was matched, and she had also been wearing a black wool dress the day she had gone missing, which was similar to pieces of clothing that was found in the garden. She had gone missing October 7th of 1944. So, most likely these women had laid in the garden for six or seven years. Against their will, totally. Yeah, because they were dead. They were like, uh-uh. <laughs> so, around this time, they were like, hmm, maybe we should find Reggie Christie. You think? Probably. Shouldn't they have done that, like, while they were, like, looking at stuff? Like, go find Reggie. Yeah. They, they started a massive hunt for him. Well, after scamming the would-be renters out of their money and leaving 10 Burlington Place... Christie booked a room at the King's Cross Roten House and gave his real name and address because he's fucking stupid. 
He requested a week's stay, but only stayed four days. Now, about this time, papers began running a picture of Christy in his raincoat with a complete description. So Rez decided it best to find a new place. He ended up giving his raincoat to a man he came across, and then he bought an overcoat so he could kind of disguise himself. And he began wearing a hat. He started wandering, spending lots of times in cafes. And when he ran out of money, he just napped on benches or in movie theaters. And on the last day of March, a police officer finally spotted Christy on the bank of the Thames River and he was brought into custody. Finally! So Christy started talking, but only about the four bodies in the house. Now, these are some crazy fucking stories. Reg said that his wife's death was assisted suicide. He had woken up in bed one night after he felt her moving around, and he noticed that her face was blue and she seemed to be choking, and he tried to help her, but it was too late to get her breathing again. He couldn't bear her suffering, so he strangled her with a stocking. Doesn't that kind of make you suffer a bit more? (laughs) Don't bother picking up the phone and dialing 999. Don't call for help. No, I cannot take this. She is choking to death, so I'm going to choke her to death some more. Can I ask you? Uh, this is off topic, but kind of on topic. What are your feelings about that? About what? Assisted suicide. I'm totally for it. You are? Uh, if you've got a terminal illness or an illness that is so completely debilitating that you have no quality of life, then I'll be it. I've seen too many people hanging on for weeks and months that didn't need to go through all that. So. Okay. Yep. Absolutely. It should be it should be legal. If we have it within our hearts to put an animal down that's suffering, why would we not do that to our fellow humans? Fair enough. Just wondering. Just curious. So so yeah, she's choking, and then he thought, I can't take it, I'm gonna choke her some more, and then she was dead. And after she was gone, he found an almost empty bottle of his phenobarbitone tabs he had been prescribed for sleep, so She must have taken them to try to kill herself, obviously. Poor thing. And that's why she was choking. Right. So according to Reg, he left Ethel in their bed for two or three days. And when she started to bloat and decompose, he moved her to the space under the floorboards to, quote, keep her near him. You know, I mean, he just wanted to get rid of a body. But even to say that, that's creepy, too. That doesn't make it better. Christy said, I thought it was the best way to let her rest. He said he simply didn't know what else to do. You know, like call 999 or scream for help. Basically anything not involving strangling her with her own stockings <laughs> and burying her under the living room floor. Go to the fucking neighbors who like kind of were questioning you about where the fuck she was going anyway when you said it. Yeah. They seem to know more about no, this shit. No, he you know? was like, no, if I do that, I will never get back to sleep. If I get out of this bed, I won't be able to fall back to sleep. Well, you gotta you gotta wonder about the lumbar support of the mattress. It might be pretty good. I mean, there's times I don't want to get out of bed every day. So, yeah, I get it. Christy then claimed the other three women in the house weren't his fault, of course. They just walked in and died. <laughs> He claimed these disreputable women were the aggressors towards him, a virtuous man, and they left him with no choice. They walked in, and they are like, I'm dying. You need this? And then took a vest and shoved it between her legs and just fucking (laughs) fell down. (laughs) 
Well, Reg said that Rita Nelson had demanded 30 shillings from him in the street and threatened to scream and accuse him of assault if he didn't comply. He tried to walk away, but she followed him and forced her way into his house. A six-month pregnant woman with no provocation did this. Right. She channeled Catherine Knight and picked up a frying pan and tried to attack him. You know, that's some serious shit, and I don't, I don't appreciate it. <laughs> what? A Ca- Catherine Knight? Catherine Knight's a monster. Go back and listen to, what is it, episode three? Dad, three. it's what's for dinner. Dad, it's what's for dinner. If you want to hear about the hideous bitch Catherine Knight. <laughs> goddamn frying pan i swear to god i'm gonna start a movement she likes her some frying pans hashtag stop hitting me with the frying pan and knives yep abattoir abattoir so of course he had to defend himself right because you know this bitch is coming at him with a frying pan six months pregnant and threatening him if that is really what happened then you know what defend yourself because she Frying just pans. picked some random guy off the street to say, I'm going to accuse you, and then I'm going to push my way into your house and grab one of your frying pans. Well, clearly she had to. She didn't bring her own frying pan. And back <laughs> then, they were cast iron frying pans. They'll fuck you up. True. They'll make you forget math in like one second. Well, the two of them got into a struggle, and she ended up falling onto a chair that happened to have a rope hanging from it. Ah, bummer. And then, conveniently, Reg blacked out and woke up to a strangled Rita. Because, you know, she fell on the chair with the rope hanging off of it, and she hung herself accidentally as they were struggling. Poor Reg. He got a bum rap on this one. Right? Crazy. That is craziness. Some people really are the victims. But instead of... arms of an angel... (laughs) Instead of calling the police then, he left her there overnight, and then he diapered her and wrapped her up the next morning and then put her in the cupboard. Well, yeah. What else are you going to do? Besides calling the cops? I mean, those are your options, you so... Got, you've got places to go. you got to beat feet. The train's coming. you probably got to take a piss. you got to go all the way downstairs. you got to try to sell this flat. Yep. You're a busy guy doing busy things, taking busy poops. You gotta take her and stuff her in the fucking wall closet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the wall closet. <laughs> well, it's believed to be more likely that he met her at a pub and offered to perform an abortion for her since she was pregnant. Are you floating that, or is that a thing? That's just kind of the common oh. thought, is that's probably where he met her. It probably is. He couldn't be too busy, <laughs> right? I mean, because he was late to everything, he was he quit very his job. willy-nilly about his fucking time. Saying he had a new job, but he didn't. He didn't have a wife under his feet anymore. I'm going to go ahead and say something that's outrageous. <laughs> Except literally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm going to say it now. I don't think he was honest at all. <laughs> I don't think he was a good guy. I think. Yeah, I think I've been wrong. I'm starting to get that feeling that maybe Reg was a piece of shit. I'm let down by him, but I'm let down with myself. Yeah. I I trust too easy. <laughs> well, close to this time period, Reg went to a cafe and sat at a table where Kathleen Maloney and another female were talking about looking for flats. Christy had met Kathleen before approximately three weeks before Christmas, when he had gone to a room with Kathleen and another prostitute and taken nude pics of the other girl. 
So he kind of knew Kathleen. Kathleen and Christy left the pub together, and she wasn't ever seen again. Which is where we heard, we, nowadays we use the term bruh. Well, that is where that term came from. He sat there in the cafe, and her like, oh, we need to buy a new flat. I don't know where we're going to go. He's like, bruh. <laughs> I totally got a place for you. I could set you up right now. Is it a nice place? Does it have a bathroom in it and or a water closet? Is there a water closet in there in its own kitchen? Bruh. Right outside the back door, about ten paces. Not really, but come with me. <laughs> Do you have a problem with tripping and falling on chairs? <laughs> well, Reg claimed that Kathleen had made advances toward him, trying to get him to influence his landlord to get her a flat. He said that she threatened violence. You get your landlord to give me a fucking flat or I'm going to fucking murder your ass. I'm going to cut you. He could only remember seeing her dead body lying on the floor, but he couldn't exactly recall killing her. Oh, you blacked out. Oh, this is too much for me. Oh, I'm late for my lunch. So he was like, what do I do? (laughs) He put her body in the cupboard and that was that. He asked me, I think Reg is having a hard week. Well, Christy would only later admit to actually gassing these two women and having sex with them as they died in later interrogations. Now, to gas the women, this is what Christy would do. He would pump natural gas into a jar containing Friar's balsam to disguise the smell. I guess Friar's balsam has kind of like a minty eucalyptus type smell. And the jar would have a tube coming out of it for inhalation. Well, did you know that natural gas does not have a smell? Well, he put that in there to disguise it, whether he knew that or not. I'm saying that the smell that we smell when there's a gas leak in the house, that that sulfuric type of smell that you Mm -hmm. get when you have a gas leak, it's man-made. It's synthetic. You can't detect natural gas. So uh, a chemical is put in so you know there's a leak in your house or there's a leak... Anywhere. So now we assume that natural gas stinks. Natural gas doesn't stink at all. You could be next to a, you know, um, a volcanic, like, vault. And you could be breathing in natural gas and not know it because what you know is natural gas plus what we put in it to let you know, ooh, this stinks, this isn't right. Ooh, you smart. It's one of my little talents of trivial facts. That's why we have carbon monoxide detectors. Because they want you to know either way that there is a leak. Even if that man-made element is not put into the gas, that gas is leaking. And that's what the detector picks up. Otherwise, it picks up what your nose can't pick up. So My nose can't pick up shit. It's a nose. What do you think about that, smarty pants? I quit this podcast. <laughs> I'm done with you and your tomfoolery. (laughs) So this jar had the tube coming out of it, meant for inhalation. And he would claim to women that inhaling his mixture could cure migraines, bronchitis. I mean, you name it. This was going to fix you. I bet you he called it an elixir. I'm certain of it. (laughs) And if they were unconscious, he would just unclamp the tube and place it near their faces to make them inhale it. Now, with Hectorina McLennan... Christy gave two versions. The first was that Hectorina and her boyfriend needed a place to stay, so Christy agreed to let them share his flat. But the situation became uncomfortable, and Christy asked them to leave several days later. 
According to him, the next night, Hectorina supposedly returned to the flat to wait on her boyfriend there, but Reg tried to get her out. They had a struggle, and her clothing got torn. She went limp and fell to the floor, and Christy thought maybe her clothing got wrapped around her neck, you know, like torn clothing does all the time, and it choked her. Right. He sat her in a kitchen chair, but realized she was dead, so off to the cupboard she went. The other version Christy gave was that he had invited Hectorina over to his flat by herself. There's a lot of happenstances going on with this guy. <laughs> He's the most unlucky man in the world, really, when you think about it. Well, he poured her a drink and then gassed her. She tried to flee, but he stopped her. I seized hold of her neck and applied just sufficient pressure to make her limp. I took her back to the kitchen and decided it was essential to use the gas again. I made love to her. And then put her back up in the chair. I killed her. He put her in the cupboard in a sitting position and kept her upright by hooking her bra to the blanket wrapped around Kathleen, which is how they found the bodies in the cupboard. Reg failed to mention anything about the skeletonized remains in the garden, though. So police laid out the evidence for him, and he began to talk, admitting that he killed them. He claimed the first was in 1943, while Ethel was away in Sheffield visiting family. He met an Austrian woman named Ruth Fürst in a pub. I just have to say it that way. Fürst. It hits the ear better. <laughs> she began to visit Christy when his wife went away. And according to Christy, the two were in bed one day, and he received word that his wife and her brother would be returning soon. Oh, snap. Brought her brother. Ruth allegedly got undressed and asked him for sex. And then she asked him to run away with her, but he refused. And then for some reason, he strangled her right there on the bed while they were having sex. I don't know why you would jump into having sex when you're like, oh, my wife's coming home. She's almost here. Something about this whole story just doesn't make sense to me. But I could see the strangling to death having sex. Have you seen that movie uh, Rising Sun with Wesley Snipes? No. It's good. <laughs> you know the show cops i love, I love it, it. <laughs> it's a really good documentary that came out in the mid 90s oh god even your documentary sean connery and wesley snipes oh. tia carrera's in it too so they they started having sex and he evidently strangled her right there and he originally put her under the floorboards that's why then when you do that your safe word should be i can't breathe <laughs> That should be this. That should be your safe word. But if you can't breathe, what's I your can't safe breathe. word? That should be your safe word. Not I can't breathe. No. Before we do this, if I go, I can't breathe. You need to stop. What? If you're you can do that, breathe. you can breathe. If you can't breathe, you can't make sounds. I can't breathe. You're How's still that? making sounds. I can't you're still doing it. I can't breathe. I don't fucking know. <laughs> So he originally put her under the... If the blood vessels in my eyeballs pop, fucking stop. How about that? So he originally put her under the floorboards, but once Ethel and her brother left the next day, he moved her body to the back garden, placing it in the wash house while he started to dig. Ethel returned before he could finish, so then he had to sneak out after she went to sleep that night. Ruth was put in the hole he dug and covered with earth. Some of her clothing was burned in an old dustbin, which, as we said, there were some pieces of stuff found in a dustbin. And Christy would state, I remember as I gazed down at the still form of my first victim, experiencing a strange, peaceful thrill. 
The it was hot. <laughs> I don't think he said that. I think I want to think H A W T. Yeah. Hot. I think I I want to think he did it. Hashtag hot. <laughs> you about made me spill spit my drink. So what's a hashtag? Oh, you'll get it soon enough. <laughs> I wonder how that what that poor girl thought. Like if that's how it went down and they were having sex and he. Just, just, just really strangled the fucking life out of her. If it was like she was really enjoying it and everything, it was like, oh, the danger because the wife's coming home. Oh, what are we gonna do? This is kind of like Dennis the Menace. I know I'm in trouble, but I just don't want to do it. You know that type of thing. And then, and then he's like choking, like starts to put pressure, and she's like, oh, he's freaky. Oh, oh, goddamn. Oh, goddamn. And then he's like, you're going in the floorboards. And he's like, what the fuck? And then, those were her last words. What the fuck were the, her last words? Well, the other woman from the garden was Muriel Eady, a co-worker of Christie's at a radio firm called Ultra Radio Works. He had taken that job after his stint with the War Reserve Police ended. Muriel and a friend of hers had actually come to the Christie's flat for tea a few times, served by Ethel, and the four of them had even gone to a movie together once. Always tea. He said of Muriel's murder... I planned it all out very carefully. In October of 1944, Ethel went away again to Sheffield. Reg convinced Muriel that he had a concoction that worked like an inhaler for her bronchitis. She came over and had a cup of tea before the treatment. Tea. Always tea. She then sat at the kitchen table with a scarf over her head, inhaling the carbon monoxide vapors until she was too weak to fight off Christy while he strangled her with a stocking while raping her. Floorboard with you! (laughs) He disposed of her the same way as Ruth, burying her in the garden, and he later came across a broken femur bone of hers while he was gardening and used it to prop up the trellis, which is the femur bone that the police missed when they were investigating Timothy Evans for the murder of his wife and child. Eventually, the Evans murders came up. Reg initially claimed that he had killed Beryl, but not Geraldine. He said Beryl's was a mercy kill like his wife's, that Beryl had tried to gas herself, but Christy stopped it. Ah, good for you. She, which, how did she get the gas? He's the one that's making the gas concoction in the jar. Honey, 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 honey. Elixir. Uh, Elixir is a liquid. Come on, read a book. I've read many books. I'm a nurse, and elixir is a liquid. I don't read, bitch. I'm read, too. You're probably right. <laughs> so so he stopped her from gassing herself. But she, according to Christy, begged for his help. He said the next day he gassed and then strangled her. But none of his story was supported by any medical findings, though. Why don't you just let her fucking gas herself if you're going to gas her and strangle her? Yeah. That sounds even fucking worse. And I don't know why, but to me this seems funny. She's, like, huffing on some fucking fumes that we don't even know where the fuck they're coming from. And he runs in. And he's like, no. <laughs> and then, like, jumps. Like, he's trying to catch a bullet. <laughs> and he just, he jumps in between her and, I don't know, the fucking hose. Take a pick. I don't know what it is she's fucking doing. Like, no. And she's like, no, you have to help me. And he's like, I will. I'll gas you. And I'll choke the fucking life out of you. And she's like, bet. <laughs> That sounds way better than what I was doing. You know what? Call me crazy, but I think you're on to something. 
Strangulation. I never thought of that. Because that'll hurt. Let's do it. (laughs) You're on. He later told a chaplain that he didn't feel like he killed Beryl, but that he was saying it to strengthen his insanity defense because he just didn't feel it. He didn't feel like he'd killed her. He wasn't in the moment. Then he claimed that one clump of the pubic hair found in the tin was Beryl's, but when her body was exhumed to compare hairs, there wasn't any sign that her hairs had even been cut. And the question of Hugh's pubic hair he had stashed has to this day never been solved. Those four little clumps of pubic hair. They have no fucking clue where they came Why from. Why does nothing to do with anything? Well, if he's like, I'll give you, uh, I, don't, I don't know what they did back then, a goose. If... <laughs> <laughs> a goose. If you cut your pubic hair off and just put it in this little jaw. And then like later on at night, he like sat down at the booth, suave. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like eased in like that. He owns the booth. He's like, do you like goose? <laughs> and she's like, oh my God, goose. Yes, I do. Please tell me more. And he's like, I can't tell you anything unless you give me pubic hair now. <laughs> I'm so sorry, England, that he feels that you guys paid in geese. <laughs> but it's fucking funny. <laughs> Does this one lay a golden egg? It might if you give me pubes. <laughs> Pubic hair, I love it. There's only one way to find out. Here's the scissors, get to work. <laughs> oh, God. Well, Rich contradicted himself. In- if I start getting letters from England, if I start getting packages from England that have pubic hair expecting a goose, I'm not giving you a fucking goose. We don't want your pubic hairs. Please, no. I'm going to take your pubic hair and wash them and then fashion a doll of you and send it back to you. You're just asking for people to send us pubes. With Please a martini send a cop sticker. No. We don't want pubes. Fresh out of geese. Oh, whew. All right. So, Reg contradicted himself in many confessions for Beryl's murder. He once stated that he went up to perform the abortion he and Beryl had arranged, and she unfolded a quilt and laid it down for the procedure. He might have tried to gas her, but it's not certain. Regardless, he claimed that she panicked, and he began hitting her and eventually strangled her with a cord. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they don't have any anesthetic. So she's like, what are you doing? He's like, shut up. <laughs> there well, you go. And, she's and out. Her autopsy showed she was bruised, you know, above her eye and everything. What gets me is like how, I hope this isn't like it now in London or anything like that. Like, that's very fucking trusting. Like, I've had tea with you a couple times. I kind of don't want this baby. I know I shouldn't be sharing this with you, but I am. You don't want it? I'll take it out. Oh, thank God I met you. You are a friend. BFF. All the way to the end. So I got a quilt. You know, like, what the fuck? Like, who Let's does do that? do this. This is like an invasive procedure. This is a big deal. Yeah. This is a big procedure you're doing. And it's like, I can't imagine going to anybody I know, even in my fucking family. I can't imagine going to my cousin and like, this appendix is a bitch. And he'd be like, I got this. I'm like, oh, dude, do it up. Hit me in the face first. I don't. What the fuck is this? He did say that, you know, he hit her and strangled her. But in one confession... Well, she wouldn't shut up. (laughs) That's awful. 
In one confession, he admits to trying to have sex with her, but wasn't able to, possibly due to his impotence. But he says in another confession that he did have sex with her, which is, of course, how they found the bruising in her vagina. Do you think they found the bruising in the vagina because he missed? I think he was probably trying to shove in rope. Yeah, he was, and he, he was pushing rope, yeah. giving it hell on one side. You know, and he was mm-hmm. like, all right, here it goes. Nope, 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 nope. nope hold on, nope. hold on, hold on. Nope. And there we go. I got to rethink this whole thing. Yep. I'm going to flip her over. There it is. Nope, nope. That's not <laughs> it either. Shit. We're so going to hell. Oh, shit. <laughs> Well, on June 22nd of 1953, Christie's trial started in the same court that the Evans trial had been in. The defense claimed that Christie was a madman, and the defense's psychiatrist concurred, stating Christie was a, quote, severe hysteric, and that he, quote, suffered a defect of reason that prevented him from fully appreciating the criminality and immorality of his act. They're so well with their speech. (laughs) Uh, so, um, what do you say, doctor? Uh, the cheese slid off this motherfucker's cracker. Yeah. He's all sixes He's and sevens. He's a fucking loon. He's all sixes and sevens. And for some reason, I smell Tim's cologne. <laughs> God damn, this was a fast trial, wasn't it? <laughs> Shit. Yeah, because Tim seat, had been... The seat is still warm. <laughs> Tim had been executed in, what, 1950? And this was 1953. Yeah, so... Less than three years. It's like a glitch in the Matrix. There were two psychiatrists that actually disagreed with this claim of him being crazy. And they claimed that Christy did have a hysterical personality, but it was a neurosis, not a defect of reason. Basically, he was a super anxious and excitable person, but that he actually knew right from wrong. The prosecution also pointed out things that Christy did to avoid detection... And that they indicated that he knew what he was doing, such as hiding the bodies and changing coats while the police were searching for him. And then Christy himself nervously took the stand. He rubbed his face, clasped his hands, and he pulled at his ears and shirt collar. His replies were barely audible. When asked why he didn't mention Beryl's murder in his initial confession, he responded that he had forgotten all about it. Well, I'll be, I forgot all about that. Was that important? <laughs> the trial only lasted four days before the jury went into deliberations. I think the guy was just bad. And I, I agree with um, the covering up. If you make a conscientious effort to cover up what you did, then you're of sound mind and body. In my opinion, I'm, mm-hmm. not, a doctor. I'm not a doctor or a psychologist or a psychiatrist or any ologist. I'm an Definitely not an ophthalmologist. What's that? Sure. <laughs> you don't remember. What? The episode where she was an ophthalmologist and he pushed her off the cliff. Oh, uh, yeah. Our anniversary episode. And you said, what's what that? What is that? <laughs> an eye doctor. Optometrist. Or an ophthalmologist. I think they have more training. I'm an amateur part-time urologist. Still learning. <clears throat> you like looking at people's pee holes? Did you like dinner the other night? Uh-huh. What do you think you paid for it? So, if you made a conscious effort to cover up what you did, then you know what you did. If you know what you did, you're not crazy. You're just a bag of shit. Yeah. So, I'm with him. Yeah. And that's a fucking act. 
pulling on your ears and tugging on. No, fucking wait, 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 wait. No, I think he was truly an anxious hypochondriac, just nutball. But I disagree. I mean, he yeah, wasn't insane. Sure, but I bet you he's like, I want to take the stand. I'm gonna fucking nail it. And his 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 attorney was like, dude, drive it home. Go Rain Man. He's like. I don't know what that movie is. It hasn't come out yet. I haven't seen it. And, and it's going to be a long time before it comes out. I can't believe I'm even talking about it. I heard it's going to be a great documentary. It really is. <laughs> so, <clears throat> before he took the stand, I bet you the attorney was like, really church it up, bro. Really church. Drive that shit home. Don't tug on your ears. Pull them. Clasp your hands. And then before answering the question, rub your hands back and forth like you're washing your hands and recite the alphabet to yourself. Take that long before you answer. And when you answer it, fuck it. Go gibberish. Well, the jury only took one hour and 20 minutes, which was longer than they took for Timothy Evans, to reach a verdict. Because I think they determined his, what, in 40 minutes? Wasn't that it? Yeah. Yeah. They took even longer for this piece of shit that had six fucking bodies floating around in his apartment in his backyard. But I digress. John Reginald Holiday Christie was found guilty and sentenced to death. In the time it took to convict Tim, we had dinner at Applebee's and you punched Nugget in the face. (laughs) Yep. It took them twice as long to convict Christie than it did Timothy Evans. Probably because people were just so shocked and appalled that... This man's wife and child were murdered, and it just had to be him. Vigilante justice. No, took an hour and 20 minutes for Reg Christie. But Christie did not appeal, and justice once again moved swiftly. He was hanged at Pentonville Prison on July 15th of 1953, a month after his trial. Less than that, just a few weeks. Now, you know, this is... uh... Kind of off topic, but on topic. I've read that in Japan, when they had the death sentence, or mm-hmm. I don't know if they still do or don't, but they wouldn't tell you. They would tell you you're going to die. You're on death row. Whatever. Mm-hmm. They don't tell you when. They, they never fucking tell you when. And that is to further perpetuate the fact that you're going to live every day like it's your last. So when that sun rises, you better fucking enjoy it. Because there's going to come a day. I'm going to knock on your door. And that's going to be it for you hmm. type of thing. Maybe I they should do that. I think that's, yeah. And that is justice being delivered. The convicted, whoever gets to live out their last days the best way they possibly can. Because you don't know when that's coming. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And everything's taken care of. It's all fucking done. Everybody does their job. Everybody collects their paycheck. The guy gets killed. And it's all done. It's mm-hmm. all done, and, and and the person that dies doesn't really have that many regrets, other than the regrets of why they're, you know. Yeah. But when they die, they're, you know, at peace. Because they know it could be tomorrow, it could be after lunch, it could be five years from now, but the next time I leave this room is I'm going to go die. Mm-hmm. It's kind of impressive. Yeah. Well, since this case, two inquiries and parliamentary debates have been held following Christie's trial regarding Timothy Evans' guilt or innocence. 
Now, it seemed very unlikely that two murderers were living in the same three-story building at the same time. In 1966, Evans was granted a posthumous pardon, which didn't actually declare him completely innocent, but innocent of the charge he was tried for, which was killing his daughter. The Evans case, along with some other controversial cases, contributed to the abolition of capital punishment in the UK. So, to this day, they've never officially said Evans was innocent of killing his wife and daughter, but chances are when you got a man living in the same building and you find four bodies in his flat and then like another two out in the garden and he was implicated in the murder of Beryl and Geraldine by Tim, chances are he probably is the one that did that. Yeah. Especially since, you know, they had a witness saying they saw all of baby Geraldine's, you know, high chair and stroller and all that stuff in Reg Christie's apartment. Yeah, chances are that Reg Christie was a complete douchebag and even went so far as to kill a one-year-old baby. Um, I think you're kind of complimenting I'm calling it a douchebag. That's not... Motherfucking, scum-sucking... Rascal. That's good. Mm. Oh, that sticks, too. But my real question is what happened to Mr. Kitchener? He went to the hospital for a few weeks. Mr. Kitchener? The guy who was out. His apartment was empty, which is oh, yeah. where they supposedly held Beryl and Geraldine's bodies until they moved them to the wash I don't know, house. Given the cracked police work at the time, did they just find the skull in that abandoned house and move on? I think as they were searching, they realized, hey, there's no skull here. And so they started searching the surrounding I'm saying, areas. Once they and... found that skull in the abandoned house, we're like, we got it. The house is clear. He could be in that fucking house for all we know. I really want to know more about Mr. Kitchener. Maybe we can touch back on it. Maybe this could be a part three. Not really. I'm sure it was just some old guy that went to the hospital and he ended up dying and he never came back. Never mind, guys. But that's why I called it What Happened to Mr. Kitchener. Because I'm an asshole. <laughs> it's like, I wonder what happened to him. Yeah, that's good enough. Because <laughs> I focus on the small details. Alright guys, so that was the case of 10 Rillington Place in Notting Hill, England. If you like that, you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you can. Leave us a rating and a review Offer still stands if you send us a screenshot of that review or shout out, whatever you'd like to give. Send it to us with an address. We will send you a sticker. I promise, Amelia, yours is going in the mail tomorrow, even though you won't hear this till next week. But we've just had a delay this week and I haven't gotten there yet. But yours is on its way, Amelia. So please do that. That can help us tremendously grow our audience spread the word really really need those reviews we would appreciate it so much and if you are following us on facebook twitter instagram all that jazz we have considered starting a patreon i asked you guys what are some perks you'd like to see we had some really great suggestions so we will be letting you guys know soon if we decide to go down that avenue and then we're going to figure out how to fucking set up a patreon yeah, I kind of got it figured out. Do we have to have a separate bank account? No. That it goes into? No. Do we have to account for it? Do we have to pay taxes on this? I've got it figured out. 
right. Stop. All right. Just saying, Zoe. So, in the meantime, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Facebook and Instagram is Martinis and the Cobb, and Twitter is Martini underscore Macabre. Be sure to follow us on those. Also, follow us on our fan page, Friends Who Like Martinis and the Macabre. Anytime uh, we post one, we try to post the other. So, just follow them all. Post what you want. Go crazy. Anything funny, morbid, macabre, interesting, current events, whatever. We don't care. We don't have like a administrator of the page that's going to review it for posting. So put whatever you want. Interact with us. We really love engaging with you guys. Mm-hmm. As always, we want to thank Phaser765 for the artwork for the show. And of course, for the songs we use at the end of each episode, we will be putting a new one at the end of this one. You can find him on SoundCloud, YouTube. Uh, visit our website, martinisandthemacabre.com. You can find a fully playable track listing of all of his music on the music page. We also have a complete, fully playable episode listing of all of our episodes. We've got them broken into season one and season two. Of course, this two-part episode starts off season two. So we've got those on two separate pages for you. Go to those, just click the picture, it'll take you to the link that plays the episode. Stop by, read about us in the About page, or contact us on the Contact page. If you want to email us directly, it's martinisinthemacabre at gmail.com. So, yeah, that's the best way. If you want to know the most up-to-date stuff, you want to interact with us, follow us on one of those. We really try and interact. I think I finally got it all set up where no matter where I post something, it goes to the other ones. I think I finally got that figured out. So hopefully if you're following one, you've got the information that you need. We try and, um, you know, ask you guys questions, get your feedback. But the biggest thing, of course, we ask is, you know, please leave us the reviews and the ratings. That means a lot to us as far as where we stand with our audience. And creepypastas, Emily. You're wanting more? More. Okay, Emily. More. More. Love them. Okay, Emily, you have a task now. <laughs> All right, can you think of anything else? I, yeah, I do, and I kind of don't. I, don't, I kind of don't want to let the cat out of the bag. But we have a fan; she knows who she is, who is starting her own podcast, and I'm already going to tell you, I am your biggest fan. <laughs> Erica and I are going to be your biggest fans. So Woo-hoo! good for you. And uh, when you hear this, let me know if it's okay, and then I'll name drop like a motherfucker. Yep. Be dropping names like <clears throat> a son of a bitch. Yeah, if you, that means anything. You tell them, honey. Yep. Don't hold back. <laughs> okay, so I guess that's it for now. Yeah. So, yeah, stay tuned. We'll let you guys know if we decide on doing the Patreon thing. Offer still stands about the stickers. Just send us a screenshot. Oh, Cooper. I have really thought about what you said. I've entertained the thought of doing a like a live broadcast, maybe like Facebook Live type mm-hmm. of thing. There's a problem though. Is I uh, Erica really does a lot of editing. I really say a lot of inappropriate shit. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to really like if we do that. If we do, like, a live episode on Facebook while we're actually recording and whatever, you know, I'm really going to have to watch my P's and Q's because I fly off the cuff like a motherfucker, and when I do it, I do it hard. 
that's why you guys won't know this, but right now we're at an hour and 54 minutes on our recording. <laughs> this is a long one, but most of it will probably stay in. But just so you guys know, that's that's what happens. I have to try and whittle this shit down to about an hour. Sorry, honey. <laughs> it's all right. And that was one of the suggestions we had for Patreon was where Billy goes off on a rambling tangent for too long. <laughs> that's an extra episode once a month. Thanks for that idea, Heather. <laughs> That's a premium one. <laughs> That's a good one. I think the best one, though, was the suggestion by Kate for tuberculosis slash heart failure ribbons. <laughs> I really That's need to start great. making those. <laughs> we'll have to come up with some ideas for that. I think that one's great. I'm also thinking maybe something with Billy Snuggle Bunny Jones and the suspense. Maybe something like that. I don't know. We'll keep it in mind. We'll let you guys know. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, so you can know the latest. And with that said, I think that's it. Stay safe, and we'll see you in two weeks. Have a great night. Bye.
I hear the abattoirs are in season this summer. <laughs> the abattoirs are blooming nicely. I don't know words. Right. 